Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the good and loud Marcella Onyango. Oh my goodness. Thank you all so much for having me here. I just want you all to know that we did come up with these adjectives through an adjective generator and it was really (laughs) fun because my other option was shrill and naughty and I was like I could be shrill and naughty but I'm pretty sure I'm better good and loud so (laughs) I feel like that's a good one (laughs) yeah very much I I I can see good and loud describing you yeah 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 yeah, all, at all least that's what I try to be. A lot, most people don't agree that most people would disagree with me being good. They would yeah. agree on the loud part, specifically my dad, but that's good. Well, hey, hey, as long as we have one that's a hundred percent accurate and one that feels good. I feel like good and loud is also how you would describe like a like a, a children's choir. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, They're well behaved, but they sing very loudly. <laughs> Uh, they're good and loud. <laughs> uh, anyway, jumping in to talking to you about you. What, what, how did you get started in comedy? What brought you here? Just tell us about you. Oh, wow. Okay. How did I get started in comedy? It was kind of weird. I don't really know how I got into comedy because I, I feel like when I first started doing comedy, I didn't even know that I was doing comedy. I don't know. It's weird to say that. But I, I, I was like, I was hanging out. Like I decided at some point in my life that, oh, I don't want to do my desk job anymore. Like I want to be an actor and like write things. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, so I started hanging out with these actors and like, um, I like to talk a lot about politics and weird stuff. And like people would always laugh a lot at the things that I said. Um, and I was like, somebody was like, oh, I have an open mic. Um, and we're just having a random bunch of people do stuff. And like, I just finished saying this something about how I used to pee standing up and people thought that was so funny. And I was like, well, I am ready for comedy now. I don't know what that meant. And so I signed up for this open mic. It was like a mixed open mic, which honestly, best thing I've ever done in my life was not going to a stand up open mic on my first mic. Cause I think that I would not have done comedy after that, but cause y'all know stand up open mics, they're, yeah. they're brutal. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. so, so I, crushing. Yeah, like if you want to do this after you've done this, if you crush at your first stand-up open mic, good for you. Um, most people don't get that happen to them. But anyway, so no, I did a, I did a, it was in Washington, DC, actually. It was this place called uh, The Pinch and it was in the basement and I believe it was in Columbia Heights. If you live in DC and that's wrong, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. But yeah. it was, um, yeah, it was, a, it was in this basement and it was actually being run by this person who was like a satire writer and also like a scientist and like, did a bunch of other stuff and so they'd invited all types of people to like do stuff so I think she did a satire reading and then I did my my tight a loose five honestly yeah it was you know yeah and I I I I got on stage and I remember my joke was um I don't know it's like my mother never taught me that I was different from my brothers and like so I would pee standing up and I just said like a bunch of stuff and the audience thought it was so funny and I think I remember the one thing joke I don't say any of these jokes anymore but one of them was about how this girl made fun of me for having um hair under my armpits when I was in the seventh grade um and I think I said uh if God had intended for me to have um hair underneath my armpits why did he invent pink razors and that joke got like a hoot and I'm like so it's like it's just like these bad jokes that I wrote but people love them so much and also because it wasn't a stand-up open mic everybody was actually paying attention yeah I was like I was like oh my gosh I think I want to keep doing this I didn't even know what I was doing yeah 
That's so fun. That's where I got my first tape to then submit to open mics in DC because at that time you had to have a tape to submit to even get into open mics. I don't know what it is now, but when I was really? starting doing that's it, wild. Yeah. Yeah. But the open mics are good because they had an audience. That's, that's crazy. How do you, so if you, this is in Washington, DC. Yeah. But I don't know how it is now. That's just what I knew when I started, which was like yeah. in 2017. Um, yeah. That's it was in crazy. March. It was in May. Yeah. May, 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 May. Something was my first, my, my first mic. So I'm, this is going to be year five. So, so if you yeah. wanted to like get started in comedy in Washington, DC, you have to have an outlet through which you actually could get a video. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's like that, but back then, yeah. Cause I only knew two places, the guy who ran underground comedy and this guy who had a show, um, in like Bethesda, like this pizza shop. And I didn't even know that those shows were big deals. I was just like, well, you do stand up. This is just what you do. And like, I didn't like get an understanding of the hierarchy or any, like, I didn't know shit. So I was like more, I feel like I had more courage and cause I didn't like, know. you know what I mean? I was just willing to put myself out there. Like nothing to be intimidated by. Exactly. Because I didn't know anything at right. all. Cool. Interesting. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Like it's weird how, not weird, but it, it's so true and interesting how not knowing the hierarchy is just kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to be here in it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. easier, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it would be, but also you do things like, because comedy is so hierarchical, if you don't respect the hierarchy, people don't like you. And yeah. so that's also a thing that I didn't know. And I made some huge mistakes in the, because of that. Like I did it because I didn't understand hierarchy. Like I didn't like talk correctly to the right people. And I just thought we can all just hang out. Right. And people are like, actually, no, you are, you have nothing. And we have credit. Stay the fuck away from us. And I was like, but we're friends. And they're yeah. like, actually, <laughs> we're not, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, it was like weird. Like, I mean, I still operate like that in my regular life. Now I know. And I just keep doing it because I'm like, yeah. I mean, whatever. I feel like a lot of these things too, just like for our, because po- we have a lot of podcast listeners who are like kind of new to comedy. Um, I feel like even like in the hierarchy and kind of the like unspoken rules, a lot of the time it's like, as long as you're not like consciously running the mic or running the light rather, and like not saying anything super offensive, like you can kind of, the lines are kind of blurry around like the rules otherwise. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. Like, but also know, if you're like, a white man, no rules. So, right. Exactly. Well, that also too, like, I feel like <laughs> as a comic, a lot of the time I'll be like, I don't like, like if I'm like, I feel like I probably shouldn't be doing this. Like, I know that this is kind of taboo. And then I think like, would a straight white man do this? And then I'm like a hundred percent that I'm like, do it, Catherine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, because they operate without um, fear because there are no, there's no consequences for them. Right. operating without fear like these right. heavy consequences for like black people to operate without fear because society yeah. is always trying to tell you well no 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 the rules are meant for you yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> so it's like yeah it's like good to operate like that but also like I, it's like so much easier to do it when I was starting because I was like I didn't know anything I was just like oh give me right like, right and then even if it is like you could totally get away with it it's like you don't but you don't want to like if in case you push it too far it's like you don't want to cause any problems. And, mm-hmm. yeah. No, exactly. I hear that. It's all a balancing act. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's tough. So then how did you, how did we go from DC open mic to pre-pandemic world? Where, where did you go from, from the Washington DC scene? How did you get more involved? What, where did your career take you after that? Yeah. So 
I had also happened to have a career of like a desk job that I didn't like to do. It was awful. But that desk job did, in fact, give me the ultimatum of either moving to New York or losing my job. Hmm. And I was like, well, I guess you leave me no choice. I'm just going to have to keep doing stand up in a bigger city where I guess everybody wants to go do stand up. That's <laughs> really the worst thing that could happen to somebody. So I actually got paid to move here. Could you imagine? Somebody paid me to move to the city, which doesn't Wonderful. happen for any stand up comedian. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. So I got here and oh my gosh, when I was doing DC comedy, it was so different from New York comedy. First of all, the amount of transphobia that just like smacked me in the face because I didn't even know what mics to do. So I was doing some mics that nobody should ever do. And like, so when I first moved here, actually we'd come here to visit because we were looking for places to live. And I was like, let me try to do a little mic. And like, I looked it up online. And so my husband came with me and he was like, that is the most terrifying place I've ever been. The, like, I just, I don't know. I'm not saying DC is perfect, but I never heard so much transphobia in my life in like mm-hmm. ever. Like in a room, just people spewing out awful, terrible shit. And this might mean that I lived in a bubble, which is not good. But I was just like, oh my gosh, you think this is okay to say? Like that was the first thing with like my decent New York comedy experience. I was like, so like, oh, and also you had to pay for mics. I was like, what? We're paying for mics? You mean you have to pay you to get on stage? You're not like putting me, and there's not an audience. What is this? Again, I was new. I'd never done this before. So that was like a little bit. So I got moved here, did the thing. I was doing comedy, doing well, making friends. Friends are great. I feel like the last big comedy show I did um, before everything shut down was at Union Hall. It was Tracy Soren's show. I think it's called, it was called Walt. And I went in there with a cough. I had, it was not COVID. It was a bad cold. But at the time, I shouldn't have been allowed because <laughs> <to go> <laughs> uh, I didn't even know like I wasn't doing it intentionally I wasn't like well, let me spread COVID like I just it wasn't it's also before we really knew this was right. like I believe it was like was it like February still I, we just even like I'd done a tour, little tour we'd driven to like I believe Connecticut like we were out and like I was out with my friends we were doing we were out there doing things every night and like and then everything just got shut down and it was weird because I was like oh I can't go out and tell jokes on a mic. What am I supposed to do with my life now? Like, what am I? And I didn't know what I like. I didn't know what to do. And it was weird. And then I got, I, um, I got heavily involved in like all the uprising stuff. Um, and I was like, joined like a bunch of organizations. I became radicalized, left, came in a democratic socialist. Now I'm a full-blown anarchist was like, well, (laughs) fuck everything. The government doesn't give a fuck about us. We're going to have to take care of each other. And in the meantime, I was also like, well, I also really miss comedy. And so my husband was like, you should get on TikTok. And I was like, what the fuck is TikTok? Like, I don't, it's not like the app for kids. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so I I started doing um, my show called Feel the News on TikTok. And the tweens loved it, loved it. When I say tweens, I'm talking between the ages of 15 and like 19. Like that was like my, tar- which I guess is all t- what TikTok is anyway. But um, yeah, so I started doing that and I really got into it. It's like a politics show. It's like a, it's a little news show. It's like 59 seconds of how you should feel about the news. And so because I just couldn't get up on stage, I was like, well, I'll find another way to like make people laugh and also talk about how shit is fucked up because I'm so depressed about how bad the world is for everybody specifically black people I was crying I was like really it was like all upsetting so it was like a way for me to cope and yeah. use comedy to talk about stuff which was fun I really enjoyed doing the um, the show on TikTok and people liked it and like it got to a point where I was like oh like I 
have a newsletter and like people were reading it. I was like, who's interested in my trash? Um, but it was fun. And then I, yeah, cause I was locked down. I wasn't going out. I wasn't like yeah. going out to doing, I wasn't doing park bikes. I was doing nothing. Um, and then I came out and I feel like I came out like a totally different person. And now I don't even know what comedy is to me anymore. Like, I don't even know how it fits into my life. You know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, it's always like, I feel like even like, I feel like from the pandemic, just like, cause not only like the lack of being able to go do comedy, but just kind of like the amount of like world changes that happened in it. Like, I just feel like my, like even my own life, like where I like, I just feel like so many turns were taken where I'm like, where are we headed now? Um, so yeah, totally, totally hear that. But that's really exciting that you managed to find like ways to stay creative were you like telling jokes in your like kind of like, yeah so it's a, it's a it's like, a yeah it's a yeah it's I call it it's news with a sense of humor and anarchy so Amazing. it's like jokes within like yeah like the news like I'll tell you like I'll talk about like you know I'll tell you a piece of news and I'll tell you how to feel about it but I'll try to like make it funny make it fine make yeah. it funny yeah because nothing about the news is fun these days oh except for the whole amazon thing like there's some stuff that are happening like people like unionizing like that stuff is fun news yeah but for the most part is like somebody died and no one cared and it's like oh do you yeah. really want to tell people that like how right. do you tell people that and not make them hate you for telling them that right right have you were you doing a lot of political comedy material prior to the pandemic or do you think that's really something that picked up when everything oh. shut down I mean I started doing comedy to talk about politics that's a weird thing about me um yeah no I um I that's the reason why I got into comedy to begin with is because I, I was like a little commie when I was 12. You know what I mean? Like I, so <laughs> in middle school, like I, I mean, I'm not a, like, I'm not like a, um, what are, you want to call like an authoritarian communist, which is why I'm not call myself an anarcho-communist, but nonetheless, we don't need to talk about that shit, but yeah, no, that's what I got into comedy about. Like I got into comedy to talk about shit that was uncomfortable, but try to make it funny. I used to have this show called Profiled at the Caveat. It was called Profiled, a comedy show about racial profiling. And the joke was to get comedians to come on stage and talk about instances that have been racially profiled and make people laugh. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it was like, for me, it was like, if I don't, because I also like talk about pussy. Like, I'm like, I'm I do, <laughs> like, I talk, like, I'm not just like trying to preach. I mean, I love to make people laugh, but at the end of the day, for me, what I want to talk about because this is why I'm annoying everywhere is that I do want to talk about the human condition, which people find annoying. I find it annoying when I'm doing it. I'm like, can't you just like not talk about, <laughs> I don't know, anthropology, which I also like. And I talk about sometimes mm-hmm. mostly to my partner who's like, you absolutely do not need that overpriced item. And I'm like, if I'm going to sell myself for money, I will absolutely buy this thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I'm selling my time. I deserve this shirt that is overpriced and I cannot afford. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. It's also so like smart and interesting to be like, here's what's going on in the world. I'm going to take it from kind of like, here's my perspective, but let's make it entertaining and interesting. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah. And also really to cool. be, a, it. I mean, for me, it's fun. Right. But also the other downer about it though, too, is like, I'm done about talking about fun anthropology is anthropology is also extremely racist. Right. And then like, that's something that I learned through the pandemic. And then I lost, I couldn't shop there anymore. And I was like, why, you know, it's like (laughs) everything that can be funny is also tainted. I feel like with sadness, I feel like sometimes we laugh because not to cry. So. Yeah. But it's also kind of interesting what you say about like how you like speaking on the human condition. Like, I feel like that's so like, just so human to be like, yeah, there's a lot of really hard things going on in the world. Like let's figure out how to, 
like portray it in a way that like kind of also lifts our spirits, but like builds community around it. And like, you know, there's so much of like being a human is interacting with other people and like forming community and like sharing ideas. And so it's just a very, I don't know, it's like one of the few, or I guess maybe not few, but like one of the, like an interesting instance of like where you can use comedy to actually like really make a difference and like really like share opinions and move forward in a way that's not like, you know, cause like as comedians, we hear so many like dick jokes and like (laughs) I was sleeping with so-and-so I was so high last night and then that's it you know just to be like let's take it like a step further and be a little smarter about it I think is really cool yeah I mean but I also do like I do have jokes that I am just like I did you know just get high like you know what I mean (laughs) I I feel like I guess the beauty of stand-up is that you can get on stage and talk about what you want however you want to talk about it but people also have the right to be like fuck you like you know yeah. what I mean like you can do what you want but also people have the right to react to the things that you do however they want but also people have the right to tell people hey that's bullshit that you're upset that that person said something because you want to keep oppressing these people like yeah you're an artist and like you're not special I feel like sometimes comedians like to treat themselves like the sacred like oh what I do is like sacred and it's like no you don't like it is but really truly it's not because it's not though. Like it's true. Is there like, is there a time you can think of that was like, you got the best, uh, a strong reaction to your set that was memorable to you in a good, just one that you're like, wow, I really glad, I'm really glad that this person reacted this way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I, um, it's weird. I have like, have well, my favorite is when I made this joke and the whole audience started clapping and cheering. Like, it, like I had this set where like literally I felt like I was getting a because like that's like every comedian's dream right I was just like getting a stand innovation and it was just me talking about like you know the catholic church not thinking women are people and like for me that joke when I wrote it to me like it's I mean obviously this context and if I just say that it's not funny but it's just like that joke itself is like I've said that joke for so long and the reason I'm always always surprised as to how many people like like we'll like lose your shit over it either the other way or one way sometimes I'll get cheers people will be like oh my god that's so amazing and sometimes I'll get groans and then I have a tag now for the groans but it's like it's like you know like that's a joke that I really love because it's like when it hits because it's just like oh no we we do understand that we as a society have made up this thing called gender and we penalize people for existing in this thing that's not real and then also pretending like there's only two ways you can be like like the gender binary it's just like all these things like it's so wild but we've built so many things in a society and our society based on this lie that yeah you should make fun of it yeah. <laughs> you know and like when people get it I'm like yeah like I'm happy that you got it that a whole institution is operating like women are not people or people who look like women are not people or pretending like, Hey, there's only two groups of people and two genders. And we're just like, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> like that, that's fine. And that checks out. Like, let's just keep letting them operate and exist the way they are because there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's like no consequences. I don't know. I always love when that joke hits because it's super simple and it's not complicated, but when people get it, I'm like, okay, good. Like, yeah, totally. And comedy is such a good way of taking things that could potentially be super complex conversations and s- streamlining them into one joke. And it's just so, when it's right, it's just so clean and it's just great. Yeah. Is there, I know you said post pandemic, you're like, I'm different. I don't know where comedy technically fits into my life or just what you said before. Do you have interest in 
late night comedy news? Like, is that a direction you could see yourself going in just because you, you have so much, um, politically oriented material, all of this stuff? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. If somebody on late night TV wants to hire me, they're more than welcome to ask <laughs> that. Like, yeah, that's a dream. Like who would say no to that? But yeah. at the end of the day, also, like I had my friend told me who told me, yeah, your jokes would never be like streamed on Fallon. Like they would never allow, like they would not let you just like say those things. Like, but at the end of the day, it's like, I don't really know, right? To what extent can you get away with that? And it's like, it's not, because I mean, I am extremely anti-capitalist and I, I don't think that states should exist. I don't like, right, I have all these viewpoints, but then at the end of the day, I'm also a human being who like wants to connect with other human beings. And I want to find the best way to connect to that, even though my viewpoints might be viewed by some as being radical. So yeah, of course, like I'd want to like write for like a late night TV show, but also I'm not going to wait to like have somebody let me light and write. And for a late night TV show, the anarchist in me is like, I could create my own show, which I've done and like do that and like empower myself. And maybe it's only like, 50 people who see this thing on YouTube, but okay, it's 50 people. And I did it. I made that for myself. Like I didn't wait for somebody to tell me, Hey, your worth stuff is actually worth listening to. I'm going to say my stuff is worth listening to, and I'm going to make it. It's like y'all doing this podcast. You're saying that my, my questions are important enough for people to listen to. And I'm going to do that for myself. I'm not going to wait for somebody to validate me. People who, by the way, their whole goal is to exploit me. I'm not going to wait for them to validate me. I'm going to do my own thing that I want to do and like make my own art and like, yeah. wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, sure. If your podcast got picked up and more people could listen to it, that's great, but you don't, that doesn't have to be a prerequisite for yeah. you to like do it. It's also like such an incredible thing about kind of the direction that like the internet is heading, not to get very like high concept about <laughs> it, but like, you know, in that, like there are becoming more and more platforms and ways in which like you can get your own information out. I mean, I guess for better or worse, but yeah, like, exactly. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, there is definitely something to be said for being like, okay, there's not just like one group of people fully dictating what we're all going to say and what everybody's going to get to hear. Um, yeah. So I do think there's something so like, like interesting and like, I don't know, valid about being like, I'm going to put this out in my own way and nobody's going to tell me how to do it. And I'm not going to write for this person. I'm going to write for what I want to share. Um, and that's just how it's going to go. Um, but kind of on top of that. So since the pandemic, Carly, as Carly mentioned, but like, we're all in a little scramble of where we're <laughs> heading, but are you still, are you still working on the TikTok show and the newsletter? Is that still up and running? Has it, I don't know, grown, built anything changed with that? Or is it yeah. What does that look like these days? Yeah, no, I mean, the TikTok is still working. I got shadow banned by TikTok last year. Uh, like heavily. No. Sh I get shadow banned all the time. Like I'll say something about Target and they're like, we do not like to have this person out here. Like this is our sponsor. How fucking dare you? Like uh. they pay our bills. Don't you dare. No, it's happened. But like, I'm still on it. Um, And like, I had to change my perspective about that too, because I think in our society, like we're very much driven by like the want for substitutes of like being loved and belonging i know i'm about to get real corny but i'm gonna say <laughs> i think we're, we're all obsessed with these substitutes for being loved and belonging somewhere like the substitutes of like having a huge social media following having a lot of money having a lot of things these are all substitutes of people caring truly caring about you and like i think at the end of the day it's like i realized it's like if i have people who truly care about me and love me and like i focus on those people and i just use my art as a way to like speak and not really worry about how people receive it or how many people receive it then i can keep going on tiktok even though i'm shadow banned and not hundreds of thousands of people are watching my videos anymore like i can be okay with that because at the end of the day 
I'm selfish and that I'm doing it for me and truly hoping that like me saying what I think somebody out there who's like you know I kind of I don't really hear that but like that's kind of like what I feel too like so yeah I still do the TikTok even though I've been shadow banned the newsletter is actually I have like 1600 subscribers which to me is so weird for my newsletter that like I'm like who 1600 people pressed I want to get an email from you what like I don't know it's so cool yeah no Yeah. It's like, it's exciting. And it's like things like those that I have to remember. It's like our idea of scale has been so messed up by these algorithms. where we think that I have to have a million people listening to me for me because that's viral. Cause what is that again attached to? It's attached to like monetary gain, which is like a way for us to be comfortable in this shitty world, the way it's set up. But it's like, no, actually a hundred people. Could you imagine if a hundred people came to your comedy show? Yeah. (laughs) But when you see that only a hundred people watch my videos, you're like, it's just a, it's just a hundred video views. It's a but yeah, the scale of that is it is crazy. I know you're so right. It kind of like you you get set up with like a weirdly disproportionate view of how also like pre any of the social media or anything, if you sold out a hundred tickets to a show, we'd be like, I'm famous. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's so real. My boss actually brings that up all the time. I work for uh a online writing website thing but he's always saying that was Good a terrible description carly it was a great description i think we all know what you mean by that entertainment <laughs> news online that's what i do in the day but uh he's always saying um yes like 30 views isn't a lot but wouldn't you feel almost overwhelmed if 30 people walked in right now and started reading your stuff and it's like you know what yeah i would i feel overwhelmed with fewer than that yeah I- <laughs> But no, it's a great point, but that's impressive, especially in today's world that people are like, yes, just even specifically, like, I would like to read more from you and get an email and get an email. I never check my email. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. And people open it. That's the other part. Cause I, my, my, my whole, like I work in like, um, digital optimization, whatever I started, like my doing, like one of my jobs is working for an email marketing company. And I know like open rates, like, you know, are like notoriously low for a lot of newsletters because people are like. I don't want to. So getting yeah. them to subscribe is one thing for them to open. And so it's like little things like those I'm trying to celebrate and just like, because at the end of the day, I have to remember why I started doing comedy, which is like, I wanted to talk about my opinions and have people laugh and agree with me. So yeah. it's like, even if it's three people who want to do that, it's like, that's pretty cool. But I had to rethink this, right? Because, and have to like, change my goals not to be associated with like waiting for somebody who has power to tell me that what I'm doing is important and worth doing which is hard and every day trust me I'm like (laughs) but no I really do want a Netflix special like you know what I mean it's like every day you like you like you know you like and you get caught up in the bullshit and you're like well I want that thing that that person got like why can I get it it's like maybe you're not ready and like sometimes you just have to tell yourself that because it might be true like you don't know like and you also don't know what somebody else had to do to get the shit that they're doing so it's like you yeah you can only live your life. That's right. all you can do. And like hope and like, remember that what you really honestly want and crave. I know it's so corny, but like ball hook says it. we all want to just be loved and we want to belong. And if you have that in your life and you try to find it, like actually that, instead of finding like the weird substitutes that you think are going to give you that, like you're, I think you'll be able to like do the thing that you want to do forever. If that's what you want to do, yeah. but it's weird. Absolutely. Oh. That's amazing. Honestly, this is such an empowering episode of this <laughs> podcast and we're not, we're not done yet, but I, uh, I'm just, you're very inspiring as a person. 
Thank you. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I, I struggle. I struggle every day. I struggle every fucking day. And like what the only thing that makes me feel better is knowing that everybody's fucking struggling. Like we're all struggling. We all want things. And like, sometimes it's not, it's, we've been lied to that. That's what we want. That's like the thing that they get us with is a fucking lie that this is what you want. It's not even what you want. You don't want those Gucci shoes. What you want is somebody saying, Oh, those Gucci shoes are so great. You're so great. I want to be your friend now. You want the friendship. Yeah. Yeah. But then you, then you get caught up in picking this stupid shit. Like I have to get my makeup perfectly done. Why? It's not that it's because you know that if you get your makeup done specifically, if you're a femme looking person, you can make more money. You're treated better. That's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. How do you find you, you really have such a good and clear grasp on something that I think people dance around a lot, but you really have a great handle on it. How do you check yourself. I, I don't, I don't know how to better say that, but like, how do you like how it's so easy to get swept up in what the world's saying? How are do you have a way in which you're able to really refine that for yourself and be like, okay, pause, step back. What do I want? Like, how are you doing this for you? I don't know. It's so hard. Sometimes I don't do it. Sometimes I just spiral for like months and then I catch myself and then I remind myself, I don't know. Like some, like the thing for me I've noticed that works is that I'll do this thing where like, if I see something happening and like it, it's made me upset, the thing that checks me is like, when I see somebody has had something and I'm not happy for them, mm-hmm. the check is for myself is like, why are you not happy to see somebody yeah. have something? And that then causes me to reflect of like, is this because that person has something that you want? And a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's because I feel like, well, I want to be able to be as good of a writer or I want to be able like, it's always something. And it's always yeah. like, even if it's like, and even sometimes it's like, oh, I do want what that person has. And then it's like, okay, that's okay, man. Well, be happy for them because at least they're experiencing that joy, but also maybe figure out like, how do they get that thing? But also understand that, Maybe even if you do all those things, you're not going to get to what that person has. And then the biggest check for myself is that like, what really makes me happy? Like I have to, that's the one that comes out, but that takes a while. It could be, I've gone to six month spirals and then I forgot what made me happy. And then I always remember, oh, I look at my photos. That's the thing. I always look at like oh. old photos and then, cause I do that. And then I'll see like, oh, I'll remind me, oh, I like hanging out with people yeah. and I love when my family's around and I love spending time with my partner. Like Sometimes I don't know. This is all to say that like, I have so many things. I don't, I'm not a genius and I don't have like, I'm not this person who knows how things work, but, and I'm always messing up. But at the end of the day, it's like, I just always try to remind myself that like, I just want somebody to love me. Like, I just, that's what I truly want. Like to truly see me and like to love me and not give a fuck what I can do for them. Like that, like that's why I think it's like, it's always weird. Like, cause my mom died. And I remember when I was, when she died, I cried so hard. Cause I was like, no one's ever going to love me like that. And like, till this day, I'm always just like, I just have to remember that. That's like, and I think that's everybody. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm not going to speak for her, but I, I have a feeling it's most. I don't disagree with that. No. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. yeah. Very well spoken. Honestly. I, the whole time I was like, yeah, this is yeah (laughs) yeah I mean I don't know like you know I might just be saying this shit because it's what I think and like again I also one thing that has changed about me through the pandemic is I'll also accept the fact that I don't know shit you know what I mean like I'm open (laughs) like because I don't know anything like I'm like everything I learn and every single day I learn that oh that thing was wrong if that was a lie what else is a lie you know it's like I've read one book and it's like this is a lie and I'm like well okay well then what's true then because 
this fundamental thing that I believe that's a lie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's hard to, yeah, come to terms with, I don't know, navigating the world, honestly. Um, yeah, so we are, we are kind of coming towards the end of our podcast here. Um, but before we hop off, we usually like to ask people, um, what is the best advice you've ever gotten in terms of comedy or alternatively, what advice would you like to give to someone Uh looking to get into comedy? Oh, I don't know. Like, I think the best advice I actually got recently, I was reading something and somebody said is that, I think it was like, it's, it's weird. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's like, I'm trying to remember exact words. I'm not going to say it right. But was like, figure out what your goals are and like, make sure that they're really your goals. Like make sure like, it's like really what you want. Like the, an example that they gave is like this person, they feel like they've reached their goal because they have one sh- running monthly show and that makes them happy and it brings them joy. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's like, figure out what you actually want. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, I mean, I sell this to people, but I also, I like this because it said that to me and it reminded me that figure out what you actually want and make sure it's actually what you want. It's not what you're told that you want. It's not what you think it's going to get you other things that you want. It's like, what do you actually want out of this yeah. whole thing? And I think if you do that, you'll figure out a, why you're doing it and be like a way to actually do it in a way that'll bring you joy and not so much pain from all the hustle and the struggle on the mics and trying to get booked. Cause I think when you have clarity of like why you're doing something, maybe the way you do things also changes. I don't know. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, that's great advice. Thank you. Um, so for right before we bow out for the rest of the show, are there any socials or anything else you want to promote? Yeah. So you can follow me on TikTok, uh, Field and News with Marcella on TikTok. Um, I have Field and News, the comedy show at Friends and Lovers, uh, the first Saturday of the month. But luckily, there's also a new, there's another show that I'm doing just randomly. It's on the 21st. It's in Brooklyn. So if you want to come to that, you could just like follow me on Field and News also on Instagram and you'll be able to get like um, information on that show. So awesome. And then where can people subscribe to your newsletter? Oh, it's on Field and News. I have a link tree. So if you go to either Field and News with Marcella on TikTok or Field and News on Instagram, it's in the link in bio. It's Substack. On Substack, it's also just called Field and News. Awesome. Great. Well, our listeners, that's where you can check out Marcella. And thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you. No, thank you all for having me. This was a good morning. I appreciated it. Thank you for listening to Laughing Your Mask Off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review. To keep up with our hosts, follow Catherine at Catherine.Cowan and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week.